0: Welcome to Tez Podagogy. In this episode, we are looking at peer influence, why children and young people can be so influenced by their peers, whether some are more easily influenced than others, and whether trying to harness peer influence as a teacher is a good idea. To explore these issues, John Severs spoke on the phone to Brett Lowerson, professor of psychology at Florida Atlantic University and editor-in-chief of the International Journal of Behavioral Development. Brett, thank you for joining me today. Pleasure to be here. Um, so this is a really interesting topic, and obviously uh, teachers are perhaps in a, a perfect test bed for peer influence, uh, especially, I guess, well, not exclusively, but I guess high school high school age in, in the U.S., but secondary age in the U.K. with teenagers, peer influence is, is, is deemed such a huge factor. Um in your work, do you want to explain a little bit about how uh, peer influence works? Is it is it is it an, a, a social evolution? Is it something that's genetic within us? Is uh, does it change? Is there a developmental trajectory for peer influence?
1: So let's uh, let's take a step back and uh, define our terms and and make sure we're all uh, speaking about the same uh, same thing. When mm. we talk about peer influence, we. Uh, usually talk about getting someone to do something they might not otherwise do. Uh, so it's it's typically described as a change in behavior. Uh, uh, sometimes peer influence describes getting people not to change, um, as in don't, Dye your hair pink, but that's <laughs> not the that's not the usual definition of uh, that's not the usual definition of peer influence. Uh, 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 sometimes conformity is is trying to get everybody to to stay in line and not do anything different. But when we talk about peer influence, we're normally talking about getting someone to change in ways that they might not otherwise do. And we like to draw a distinction between peer influence that takes place within the group. And peer influence that takes place within the dyad. By dyad, I mean typically within close relationships. Because uh, there's two different forms of peer influence that are that are taking place. That teachers certainly need to be aware of. At the group level, um, these are often more visible kinds of peer influence behaviors. That usually involves one person, a leader or someone more popular, and it, and many people in the group were kind of following along behind that leader. So peer influence might extend from one to many. And we can talk about the characteristics that about the leader and about the followers. And then within um, within friendships and romantic relationships, we have a whole other kind of influence. These are typically more private. It, it, it certainly involves behaviors, but also can involve attitudes and uh, um uh, and beliefs, and this will be uh, the influence that takes place from one friend to another, uh, or one romantic partner to another. So then, with that definition of terms, I believe the first question you asked was: uh, um, Are there developmental differences in in peer influence over time?
0: Yeah, are we um, are some of us more easily influenced than others? Let's put it that way.
1: Okay so uh, th- that's two different questions so the first question of of are there age groups that are there age periods in which influence in which we see more peer influence or less peer influence um it, that's different from the, the individual difference question that you ask i'm going to do okay. the easy one which is the uh, which is the age group one <laughs> uh we know that peer uh, that peers influence seems to peak uh around the ages and there's going to be some cultural differences here but it seems to peak around the ages of let's say 13 to 15 or 16 about the time when um when adolescents start moving out into the world of on their own uh without a lot of uh uh without without a lot of adult supervision so there's several things going on between these ages of say 13 and and 15 or 16 not so much adult supervision so other people are there to uh, uh to fill in that gap that'll be your friends and your peers your mates um don't have clear identity yet so because you're not exactly sure of who you are and you know what defines you um during these early years of adolescence uh, we look for somebody else to fill in that gap and parents aren't there to help us uh, with that definition we also know that there's some um some neurological changes taking place where uh the presence of peers kind of overrides logical thinking. <laughs> yes, this is true. Uh, yeah, teachers will so recognize that, I think. <laughs> so you can you can act, you can assess risks for instance very logically all by yourself, but when peers are there that assessment gets overridden by stimulus seeking and so we tend to make not such great decisions when peers are around during this age period of, and this st- extends on into even late adolescence. But gradually, the the uh, this stimulus seeking gets uh, get, we get get it under control, so to speak, and the logical portion of our brain uh, takes over.
0: Is there a reason for that? Is it like do we? Is there a developmental reason why we'd be becoming more stimulated by that?
1: No, it's brain maturation uh and I'm not the person to to describe the neurological changes that take place but the, it's strictly a function of brain brain maturation and the regions of the brain that mature at different times during puberty uh mm. and so uh it's it's really a hot cold uh cognition uh function and the hot part uh, uh the, the control over the hot part takes longer to to uh, uh to override uh it matures later than than the than the development of the cold cognitions do
0: so we can't really help it this is just this is just what happens at that that age period that's, we become more easily influenced <laughs> that's absolutely correct and in fact, one of the reasons
1: why there's been several supreme court cases here in the states in which this kind of developmental evidence on on Biological match, brain maturation has uh, has actually uh, swayed the opinions of the justices in favor of uh, of uh, not holding uh, teens uh, as accountable for their actions as you would adults.
0: Oh wow, that's interesting.
1: So we get this, you get this sort of—I don't like the perfect storm term—but we get very several different uh, factors coming together all at once, which means that uh, uh, that this, these 13 to 15 years, about the time when you start moving into these these bigger school settings—that's the time when peer influence seems to peak. And we have some research that, in fact, suggests that that um, that you become more similar to your age mates, uh, to your best friends, in particular, uh, during these years than you were before, than then you were afterwards in terms of problem behavior. So you're going to look like them more in terms of uh, of uh, disruptive behavior and juvenile delinquency and uh, and alcohol abuse. All of these things, you look much more like your friends during this uh during this what we call middle adolescent years than you did before and then you will later.
0: seems odd that we've timed uh, the switch in from relatively small elementary, stroke primary schools to high school, stroke secondary schools at a time when this is so this is this, this is happening biologically.
1: <laughs> yeah, you put your finger on a weakness in the a structural weakness in what we do. Exactly right. Uh it's uh it's a uh it's it's a challenging time to be uh Uh, to be a team teen under any circumstances to be 13 to 15 and then to toss them into these unstructured settings where you absolutely have to have a mate. You can't, you can't navigate these new school settings all by yourself. So uh, uh, you need to, you need to focus on getting along with others and that's what part of what peer influence does for us, particularly in uh, particularly in uh, at the, at the level of the diet and the friend, peer influence is a way to make sure that you're similar to that best friend, and and uh, the more similar you are, the less likely that friendship is going to break up over some differences. Uh, does this make sense? So, in other words, you really need a friend while you're in well you're in uh, high school or gymnasium, and uh, and you can't afford to lose that friend. And so, one thing that peer influence does is to uh, is to is to smooth over any differences that might arise because we're changing our behaviors to look more like one another.
0: It makes a lot of sense, doesn't? It? You can see that as well. And does that explain why, say, my my five year old and my six year old they don't seem to care that much at the moment what 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 shoes they wear or or what they go dressed to the party in at, at this point? A little bit maybe, but it's not it's not it doesn't seem to be as as, uh, as strong an influence as it is as is later, like you suggested, that 13-15 period.
1: Well, certainly at, at five and six they lack perspective taking, so the only the only view they think of that's important is their own view. So they think that everybody else's opinions about their shoes are the same <laughs> as their <laughs> own opinions. <laughs> and and by the time you move into the teen years you recognize that other people are going to have some different views on uh, on shoes and hair uh, and hair and you, you make some effort to to take their perspective on things.
0: I think I think it said to say we is it a gradual shift from that age five? You know, is it you hit thirteen and fifteen between thirteen and fifteen, and suddenly you care? Or with, you know, is puberty onset at an earlier age? Are you, are you going to start seeing that more? And is it this gradual fade in and fade out, or is it quite abrupt?
1: No, it's 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 very gradual. Uh, there's a cognitive development that takes place, but also a lot of experience with. A lot of hard experience with friendships uh, also help you learn the rules of getting along. So uh, as you move through these primary school years, you you, you pick up friends and uh, you learn the the need for uh, for minimizing conflict, or else your 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 friend is going to go play with somebody else. So uh, so you start to recognize the importance of seeing things through their eyes and minimizing conflict. And hey, if we're more similar, that's going to reduce conflict and and make me a re- more rewarding partner. Uh, and so, a lot of this may not be right conscious, but but uh, but through through a variety of experiences, we come to learn the the need for uh, the need for getting along with these age mates, and part of that is perspective taking, and part of it is being rewarding, and part of it is not uh, uh, just not annoying them too much.
0: <laughs> and and uh, inside of these general developmental pathways. Um, I guess the second part of my question is why do some people appear more influent, uh, easily influenced than others during those periods? Now, that's
1: a, that's that's the question that we're really just starting to unpackage right now. So, um, f- first of all, th- what we're what we're learning is so if you take any given let's focus on friendships. Uh, if you take any given friendship, it's uh, th- there are a number of different factors that that are going to determine your influence. So on the one hand, one of the friends could have characteristics that make him or her particularly influential. So in other words, influence is not just about the person being influenced. It's also about the person doing the influencing. Mm-hmm. There are tra- there are traits that make some people you know, more 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 able to to get others to do what they want. Um they could be attractive, they could be older, could be intimidating, smarter, um uh, more persuasive uh they could just be somebody that you that, that's really a very uh, uh valuable friend that you don't want to lose mm. so some people are just better at at getting their way and of course there are traits that make me uh, susceptible to influence as well um Obvious ones are uh, uh, are kids who are younger than their than their mates are going to be more influential, and and kids who might be and in, uh, easily intimidated or anxious um, uh, are also perhaps more more uh, readily influenced. One thing that we uh, that my research suggests that that is really interesting to me at least is that we take a couple of of friends, um, the one who has fewer options for other friends, so you and I are our mates uh you've got four other friends and and for me poor me i've only got you uh if if you're the only friend i've got or if i've only got you and one other friend keeping you happy is very big priority for me and i'm likely to do what you want if you've got six other friends you don't care about keeping me happy so much Uh, so the one with fewer options for friends is the one who's more likely to be uh Susceptible to influence, more likely to be the one to change, to resemble,
0: uh, to resemble the the partner with more friends. That's interesting, isn't it? Because I mean, that's quite easily uh, identified in a school setting. Um, say a child uh, uh, does something out slightly out of character, and you can probably quite easily identify. Well, he's got one friend that he relies on, or, or seven. It might help you interpret that situation a little bit.
1: I've yeah, always been very I caution parents to be very careful about sort of manipulating try to manipulate friendships about you know well, this one will be better for them and this one will be worse for them it's 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 very difficult to know exactly what the dynamics within a friendship are because you don't know how valuable that friendship is, and you don't know what what characteristics the other person brings to the table. It may be that a friendship that you think isn't so great for your for your child. In fact, your child may be the influential one and may be bringing along <laughs> bringing along the other ki- the other child whereas if you shift them over to a a friendship with someone who you think is more attractive or desirable that well your child may suddenly become the one who is being influenced more and they may be changing to look like the other one for better or worse
0: and are those roles quite changeable can can you go from being the influencer to the influenced in think of an eye within a couple of years. I mean, <laughs> at, in, in just at the same time, simultaneously, I guess, can you be eagerly influenced by one group but influencing another?
1: So you're going to tell me you go home and your your spouse is not going to tell you what to do and you're not going <laughs> to turn around and tell your kids what to do? <laughs> yeah, well,
0: exactly that, yeah. But I guess the point <laughs> I'm getting at is uh, whether, we're, um, whether some people are just, you know, some people are always, the influencer and some people are always the influenced or even if the most charismatic and intimidating uh student might sometimes be easily influenced in another set.
1: We don't have a good answer to that question. It's a it's a reasonable question, uh and it, it cuts to the, the heart of the of the question are are is being is being susceptible to influence a trait uh or mm. is it a uh, about the the relationships in which you find yourselves and the settings in which you find yourselves and and of course probably there's some trait like dimensions to it um but but I wouldn't I, I would be really hesitant to say that this person is always going to be at the bottom of the totem pole and uh, uh and and always susceptible to influence under all circumstances um don't have a good <clears> answer <throat> to that we don't have a genetic marker for for being influenced or being influential
0: and we've we talked about some of the the sort of the key levers uh, in terms of influence. Where does emotional intelligence come in that come into that? Because I mean, it's a fine line between manipulation and influence. I'm guessing in terms of emotional intelligence can allow you to manipulate somebody. But is peer influence? Can it? Is that part of peer influence, or is peer influence more passive? Or how does that? How does? It, how does it work as a mechanism? I, I guess is the question. <sighs> Um,
1: so we, we have a construct, uh, called popularity, which is defined at face value, where we ask children who's popular in the class and they just tell us who they think is popular. And it's not really people they like. It's just people who, uh, have, uh, who have influence, uh, uh essentially who have social dominance, um. And we have some research that suggests there's really three t- in the group. There's three. So now we've shifted from um, talking about you and your friend uh, to you in the larger group. There's really mm-hmm. three different kinds of uh, of popular youth, three different kinds of uh, influential influencers in the group. Uh, and they use different strategies or tactics to, uh, to maintain influence. Um, so one is uh, what we would call pro-social, socially skilled. Um, um, and these uh, these are generally just rewarding partners. Um, they're popular because they're fun to be around. Um, mm-hmm. They're popular because they're probably attractive and they probably do well in school. Um, but if I could use behavioral terms, they're popular because they're rewarding. You want to be with them because it's fun, exciting to be around them. And there's another group of popular uh, individuals who are... Um, who use aggression, relational aggression, and physical aggression to maintain popularity? Um, these individuals—I uh, don't know. I'll show my age. There used to be a TV show called Mean Girls. Um, oh
0: yeah.
1: And the <laughs> your age too? Okay. Yeah, uh, so, yeah. <laughs> so the Mean Girls—they were popular mostly by by using manipulation and aggression to uh, to keep everybody else in line. And then there's a third group uh their term in, in psychology is bi strategic uh you probably know them more as machiavellian uh okay. they use aggression when they need to, and then they turn around and they use these pro social things to make nice to people that they just aggressed on, <laughs> so they, they smooth feathers by they smooth feathers by being nice until the next moment where they need to bring the hammer down and then they'll turn mop around with uh, with being nice again uh so these bi-strategic folks are probably the ones you're referring to, where they're they're capable of switching between two strategies uh, in a very conscious way in order to maintain, in a conscious effort to maintain popularity, not by fear alone, but uh, just enough fear uh, to to uh, to remind people that that's uh, an option, um, but mostly then turning around and saying, but you know, I'm I'm really a nice person after all.
0: And a lot of the the, the talk about peer influence happens in schools is, is in a negative light, i.e. someone, you know, oh you're hanging around with the wrong crowd or, you know, this isn't like you, you, you don't usually behave this way. Do we know whether peer influence is, is where the sort of pivot is between it being a good influencer and a bad influencer? I right? is it more often negative than positive or or is it neutral?
1: it's a it's an excellent question and the, the the absolute answer is that peer influence if we go back to the original definition gets people to change uh to do things they wouldn't ordinarily do so that can absolutely be positive and i would argue it's just as positive as it is negative if it was just negative then everybody with friends would be in jail uh so obviously peer influence gets us to do all kinds of things do your homework uh go home instead of getting in trouble at the bar all all the time your your peers are keeping you in line they're telling you to comb your hair they're telling you to tuck in your shirt uh peer influence is, is absolutely beneficial it's absolutely essential for social norm for positive social norms uh, so I, I i'm glad you raised the point because it's important for everyone to recognize that that peers are are uh, at least as good as they are bad in terms of an influence, and I'd, I'd argue that they're the, on the whole peers are a, peers are a net plus.
0: Mm. And where do we do we have to be cautious? I guess is the word to as as a as a teacher to try and use peer influence to our to our advantage in this in the sense of I guess either praising behaviors we want to see or actually targeting. People we students we know are influential to, to, to shift the behavior of a class.
1: Yes, yeah, spot, you're spot on in terms of uh, uh, it's it's delicate in ways. Uh, first of all, of course, you don't want to appear heavy-handed, but but it's it's very delicate because peer influence. Uh, the subtext underneath peer influence is something that we call group norms, uh, mm. and by group norms we essentially mean what's acceptable behavior in this group. And if you go from one group to the next, literally from one classroom to the next classroom, the norms of behavior are are different. The norms for what's expected and what's acceptable uh, differ from one group to the next to the next. And so it's it's easy to get people to do positive things when the group norms are fairly benign and when there's frowning upon misbehavior. It's very difficult to get peer influence to work in a positive direction if the group norms are, you know, don't do your schoolwork and you know, let's pick on the weak kid here. So, so understanding the the norms of behavior for the group in for the group itself are essential if you're going to try to to nudge the group one way or another.
0: I guess in the UK there's a there's a there's a lot of attention at the moment on creating a whole school culture. So these are our values, this is what we all agree, and trying to create that norm across the school so that in any individual classroom those norms are adhered to. So let's say, you know, there's some schools here where there's two thousand students and there's an attempt to create a norm across that that amount of kids. Is that a realistic uh, goal, if, if 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 we put it like that, it's a it's
1: a realistic starting point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in, in other words, there's absolutely there's absolutely reason to to say to try to get these smaller groups to buy into the larger group identity. Uh, and and absolutely, it's not something that you would you would say will have no effect whatsoever. But but it, it has to be then translated onto the into the small classroom group level setting and and just trying to to well think about think about what goes on at at football matches there's there's a movement by fifa to get all the fans to behave but some clubs are not quite on board yet are they yeah so yes absolutely at the at the it starts at the top for sure, but then it has to be carried down and implemented at at each at each of the subgroups levels, and that and that's the level in which teachers can uh, can help make a difference. But but recognizing, of course, that the composition of the classroom is is these kids have histories together; these students have histories together. They're bringing together along with them, and unless they're all unknowns uh, and they've never met one another before, the teacher is going to have to work with the history of the classroom in which she's given she has to deal with the hand she's dealt or he has been dealt and and as a consequence the, the teacher's ability to to change the norms of the group is going to be uh, um perhaps not as a uh, uh it's not going to be as easy as one would hope
0: mm. how how likely is it that uh, the teachers themselves can be influenced by by the class or by the key influences within that class do, are adults susceptible to to peer influence of of, of, of children, if you like, or teenagers? Oh, well, sure.
1: Uh, you know, if you <laughs> uh, there's going to be many parents out there who who had high aspirations for feeding their children vegetables for dinner every night, <laughs> and uh, and somehow <laughs> that went by the wayside, and it, it didn't go by the wayside because the adults didn't like the vegetables. Um, and so certainly, uh, you know, teachers can get beaten down just like parents can in terms of trying to to maintain standards and uh, 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 and keep the uh, keep the keep the eye on the prize, keep the goal in mind. Um, so definitely, groups uh, groups can change the the behaviors and attitudes of teachers, and I would argue that that's healthy. You don't want to have absolutely unrealistic goals that you can't implement. Um, uh, Mid course corrections are are the sign of a competent teacher I would argue.
0: And if we go back to something you, you said at the beginning I guess which is this, this 13 to 15 year age group being very very conscious of, of peer influence and, and being like each other do we you know do we as a school have to be sensitive towards that does that mean that we perhaps adapt our rules so that we enable that to happen more easily or is it okay to enforce rules that may mean that they they, they can't be like each other?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um
1: if we're going to continue to persist with school structures that toss children into these large unsupervised group settings, Lord of the Flies, if you will, mm. um then, uh, then we we just have to recognize that the most adaptive solution to that is for children to stick together to navigate these unstructured settings. That's that's adaptive. That's the you wouldn't want your child to, to try to pull this off on his or her own. Hmm. So, at the structural level, if 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 we're going to keep our schools set up the same way, then then this this kind of influence is, is inevitable. There are some school districts I know that have moved to a structure where they try to keep the classrooms and the children together in smaller groups up through about, in the U.S. it would be grades 8 or uh, grades 8 would be typical transition, um, so that there's not so much time um, spent. during the thirteen to fifteen years, not so much time spent uh, trying to navigate these huge uh, structures. But you know, I, I'm a realist. I know this is not going to change tomorrow.
0: Yeah.
1: So what can what can teachers do
0: here? <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> you know, I mean, what practically right. can? I mean, can you teach a child to to be more not immune, I guess, but aware of peer influence? Would that even help?
1: Help what? Though we don't want to discourage the positive, uh, we don't want to discourage the positive influence. So the only thing I can say is that the that if parents and teachers are worried about negative peer influence, then the the best course of action certainly awareness of it is is not there's nothing wrong with that. But to help build positive identity in the child, so that he or she has a, a sort of central core, uh, will help that that individual make the right decisions. So being, being, feeling good about yourself and, and having, knowing who you are and where you're going, both helps you make the right decisions, but it also helps you pick the right mates. It helps you pick the right friends who are then going to reinforce making the right decisions. Um, the, the The hopelessly lost ones, the ones who feel bad about themselves and the ones who don't know where they're going or what they're doing. Those are the ones who are in need of guidance from others and if there are no adults around to provide that guidance then someone's going to do it
0: and i guess then we have to appreciate that with peer influence the we have the rough with the smooth or the good with the bad and they come together almost
1: precisely that that's uh, that's the point of i think of the def, of the of the definition of just reminding everyone that it's all about change and change can be for good and change can be for ill um and uh, you know, you, you 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 want someone, you want someone to be pointing out the, uh, where you could do better and 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 having you strive to do better things. So uh, we lose that. We lose a lot of the, the good part about the relationships that we're in.
0: Super. Thank you very much for joining me, Brett.
1: Thanks. The pleasure was mine.